the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is Two weeks. Can you believe it? No. I was talking to my family yesterday, and we were noticing that the first three weeks seemed to just take so long. And then, then we're here, or nearly here. Two more weeks we'll be celebrating the joy of the resurrection. And we are to be people of joy. Joy is to characterize our lives. The overall, what's the word? Essence of what we do on Sundays is joy. Because we are, in a sense, in a very real sense, celebrating a little Pascha each Sunday, celebrating the joy of the resurrection. It is tempting for us to look ahead to that joy and maybe not get too much from the last several weeks of our Lenten journey. But the Lord, through his church, has put this gospel right here to help us, to inform us. Now, in today's gospel, we hear that Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. But sometime before, in the previous chapter in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus tells them, he was teaching his disciples, this is in Mark 9, he says to them, the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Now, one verse before the gospel that I just read from over there, it says, now they were on the road. That is, they were down below Jericho, across the Jordan, where, where John had been baptizing. And they were on their way to heal Lazarus, and they had to pass through on the road past Jericho. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going on before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. What's going on? Well, Jesus traveled all over in his ministry, and it was his custom that he would be surrounded by people. But in this moment, he is so set with his eyes towards Jerusalem and his upcoming passion and his saving of the world that he is in the lead. And the disciples are like, what is going on here? He is resolute. Then they pause, and it says he took his disciples aside again and began to tell them the things that were going to happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him and kill him, and after three days he will arise. But then James and John come to him as if they hadn't heard him. They say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask 
And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Can you imagine? Jesus has been with them for three years. Multiple times he's told them about his sacrifice. He, they understand that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior of Israel. But they have not grasped that he is the Savior of the entire world and is going to lay down his life for the whole world. But Jesus doesn't say to them, seriously? Did you not hear what I just said? I'm going to die, and you are thinking about your worldly glory when I come into my kingdom. He didn't say that. He says, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. For they loved him. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant. Now Jesus, imagine his mindset. He has told them of his impending passion. He is leading the crowd through from the front. Everybody's amazed that Jesus is so resolute on his journey. And yet, Jesus humbly, with tender care, takes an opportunity to quietly speak to his disciples and to confront and root out the pride that is still lurking in their hearts. He teaches them in words what he is about to teach them in his body and his death. He says to them, you know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He reveals to them the very purpose of his impending passion and also how they ought to be. He reveals to them and to us what they most need and what we most need as we approach our Lord's suffering and passion, his death on the cross. And that is that we need humility. The path of Christ is humility. And Christ is calling us to walk that path. St. Nikolai, who has written a series of um, commentaries on the gospel readings throughout the year, says, humility to the point of scorning self and love to the point of death, these are the lessons that the Lord sought to implant in the hearts of his disciples, uprooting from them the weeds of pride, of self-esteem, and vanity. We need humility 
And we are taught this in the gospel. And the gospel has much to teach us, not just this gospel. But do we listen when the Lord is speaking to us? How often are we like James and John? How often are we hearing but not really listening? Or we hear, but it isn't what we want to hear. The Lord is asking us to follow him in humility. But we have our own ideas, our own agendas, our own plans. God is speaking to us all the time. He is saying things like, come, follow me. Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. I love you. Love one another. Forgive one another. Forgive your enemies. Do not judge one another. The Lord is speaking to us all the time through his gospel, through other scriptures, through the lives of the saints, and through our life together in the church from one another. So how can we be better listeners? And how can we hear what God is saying? One of the things the gospel tells us today is that it's humility. St. Paisios famously said, if you want to tune into God so he listens to you when you pray, turn the knob to humility. For on this frequency, God always operates and humbly ask for his mercy. This is where we started our Lenten journey. We started with the humility of the publican and the humility of the Canaanite woman. Truly, humility, as counterculture as it is, is the beginning, the middle, and the end of our walk with Christ. Today's gospel is pointing the way to Christ's ultimate teaching, demonstrating his humble love for us and his extreme humility his self-emptying sacrifice. So how are we to become humble? Father Alexander Memon of Blessed Memory says, if we want to become humble, then we must contemplate Christ because Christ is our ultimate example of humility. Our God is humble. How many other gods in the history of the world have ever had the attribute of humility. If we're to be humble, we need to quiet ourselves, we need to pray, and we need to listen. And as the gospel says today, we need to aim to be the servant of all. Now forgive me, but we can't pass up a chance to mention St. Mary of Egypt, for this is Sunday of St. Mary of Egypt on our Lenten calendar. And yesterday was her feast day. Now, I'm assuming that some of you heard her life on Thursday night. Some of you have read the bulletin of a short synopsis. So I won't say too much about her life. But we know that St. Mary lived a profligate life of pleasure from the youngest tender age of something like 12 years old for 17 years, she was the ultimate Alexandrian party girl, pursuing pleasure however she could find it, sexual 
And if there had been drugs, probably drugs, but alcohol, parties, that was her, her mode. And somehow she ended up finding her way to Jerusalem at the Feast of the Holy Cross. And this is at a time when the Holy Cross was more or less fully intact. And the feast was going on. And she, following the crowd, and having lived in a Christian world, had understood and picked up a few things. And so she wanted to go see the cross. So she tried to go into the church. And as you know, she was blocked by some invisible force. Her conscience, angels, we don't know. And here's what she said. Having repeated my attempt three or four times, I felt exhausted. <coughs> so I went aside and stood at the corner of the porch. And only then, with great difficulty, slowly, it began to dawn on me. And I began to understand the reason why I was prevented from being admitted to see the life-giving cross. The word of salvation gently touched the eyes of my heart, and revealed to me that it was my unclean life which barred the entrance to me. And I began to weep and lament and beat my breast and to sigh from the depths of my heart. So I stood weeping when I saw above me the icon of the most holy mother of God. And turning my bodily and my spiritual eyes to her, I said, O lady mother of God who gave birth to flesh, in, in the flesh to God the word. Help me, for I have no other help. Be my faithful witness before thy son that I will never again defile my body by the impurity of fornication. But as soon as I have seen the tree of the cross, I will renounce the world and its temptations, and I will go wherever you will lead me. St. Mary is an amazing example to us when we read her life of humility, of patient repentance, extreme repentance. We don't know what caused her to enter into that sinful life, trauma or abuse, likely. But we, don't, we do know that she did not blame anyone or make excuses. And despite the heights of her virtue, her miraculous gifts, her clairvoyance, floating in the air in prayer, walking on water across the Jordan, being comforted continually by the Theotokos, being taught the word of God by the word himself, and, and probably much more. She never considered herself as anything but a sinful woman who had found mercy. Now, what are our takeaways from her life? That repentance and change and growth are not instantaneous. That we become free. We become the people that God has asked us to be only little by little with much effort and much cooperation with God. I can remember when I first encountered her, having first come into the Orthodox Church, and I was kind of blown away by the extremity the extremeness of this example. And I, and I confess, I, I, I just didn't get her. I couldn't wrap my mind around how knowing about her was to help me. <laughs> but now, I do see her still as an extreme example. But when I look at my own life, I say, 
you know, maybe I need to be a little more extreme in my own repentance, a little more extreme in the depth of my own faith. Her example shows us that we need to make changes in our own lives, and we need to repent in proportion to our sins. Humility, like the other virtues, is not acquired overnight. Slowly, by degrees, with God's help. Now today, in our Lenten journey, Jesus tells us, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and he's talking to us. And he calls us to follow him. He wants us to be like him. And that journey, like our Lenten journey, begins and ends with humility. In this season, we follow Christ in his suffering condescension, contemplating his extreme humility in enduring the cross and all that went with it. And just as we cannot look past our own suffering in this world, but we humbly accept all that comes to us from the providence of God, and we humbly rely on his mercy. It is only through the humility we learn by contemplating Christ, only through humility can we love one another. Only through humility can we serve one another. Only through humility can we live in community with one another as the body of Christ. Only through humility can we approach the chalice, the chalice that offers us his life. Only through humility can we make sense of this broken world and our own place in it. And only through humility can we fulfill our calling as people of God. The foundation of our salvation is the love and the humility of Christ. And our embrace of his life by humbly emptying ourselves that he might fill us with himself. So in the time that we have left, as St. Paul says towards the end of the epistle to the Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as St. Paisios also said, humility and love there you have it. This is everything. Amen.